Welcome to Creative Biolabs Science Channel. Creative Biolabs is a specialized contract research organization supporting mRNA studies with all-round solutions covering mRNA synthesis, modification, and mRNA therapeutics development. With an unwavering pursuit of innovation and lifelong learning, we keep on producing podcast series related to mRNA technology based on our knowledge and practical experience gained through years of exploration in this area. Subscribe to our channel and keep updated with our podcasts. Good evening, dear friends. Thank you for tuning into Creative Biolabs podcast series on mRNA. During our last program, we talked about the maturation of dendritic cells. We know that the maturity of dendritic cells is a key factor in dendritic cells immunotherapy. Although a number of in vitro studies are trying to use drugs to promote the maturation of dendritic cells, the most effective maturation stimulus and the time of administration have not yet been determined. Both the time span of in vitro maturation and the time of messenger RNA transfection need to be considered. Today, we are glad to invite David to join us again to talk about the quality control of dendritic cells and messenger RNA. Thanks for joining us, David. Thank you for inviting me. So David, to get started, what do you think the ongoing clinical trials can tell us about the messenger RNA-loaded dendritic cells? Well, to date, data obtained from these clinical trials prove that a lot of work is still needed to determine which mature strategy is preferable. Obviously, there is still a lot of room for improvement in this step in the vaccine production process. And eventually, new clinical trials are needed to determine whether mature dendritic cells will become the real key to a better dendritic cell vaccine. To fully interpret the research results, strict quality control is required. In clinical trials using messenger RNA-loaded dendritic cells, we know that two main vaccine production components require extensive control namely dendritic cells and messenger RNA. What can you tell us about the quality control of these two components? I'll begin with the quality control of dendritic cells. As the first step, comprehensive preclinical in vitro work has focused on the phenotype of dendritic cells and their cytokine secretion characteristics. In addition, the ability of dendritic cells to present antigens to induce antigen-specific T-cell responses and their ability to migrate to CCR7 ligands CCL19 have also been the focus of attention. What are CCR7 and CCL19? The CCR7 receptor is a member of the CC chemokine receptor family and a G-protein-coupled receptor. It was identified as a gene induced by the Epstein-Barr virus. CCR7 is expressed in various lymphoid tissues, including B and T lymphocytes and mature dendritic cells. CCL19 is expressed on high endothelial venules and in the T-cell zones, in lymph nodes and other secondary lymphoid organs. Both chemokines are required for the trafficking and positioning of T-cells and dendritic cells within secondary lymphoid organs. So after we pay full attention to the phenotype and related functions of dendritic cells, then what? Then we need to define the relevant standards of quality control in advance. And to do this, let me start from the more basics. We know that every vaccine is patient-specific. Therefore, it is necessary to perform quality control on the dendritic cells at the end of each vaccine preparation cycle and inject it in the same form as the cells. Based on the current ratios, 
Some scientists have proposed minimum release standards for dendritic cells vaccines and also proposed strategies to achieve these standards. Is the T cell stimulating ability of dendritic cells a key factor? Does it need to be extensively controlled? Of course, it is. However, it is very laborious to perform a complete functional characterization of each patient's dendritic cells. So what most groups do is that they would perform a phenotypic analysis of costimulatory molecules and major histocompatibility complex surface expression. This analysis serves as an alternative method to study the maturity status of its dendritic cell preparations. In clinical trials, I know there is one in which patients with melanoma are vaccinated with phenotypic mature dendritic cell vaccine. Any benefits of vaccination with mature phenotypic dendritic cells observed for cancer patients? It's hard to say. At least so far, no strong correlation has been found between objective clinical responses. This further implies that mature phenotypes and functions do not always go hand in hand. At least the secretion of cytokines, especially interleukin 12p70, needs to be included in the quality control. We know that flow cytometry phenotyping is used in all studies, but none of these studies was consistent with all proposed markers. How can this be explained? Again, this has to go back to the lack of standards, which makes comparing different studies difficult. There are only two studies that mention the threshold required to release vaccine products. In contrast, four other studies gave the percentage of controlled markers. The remaining studies either only mentioned controlled markers or used high and low to indicate their presence without further explaining what is considered high or low. Some groups have confirmed the purity of the dendritic cell population. How was this accomplished? That is done by staining the dendritic cell lineage markers with one or more non-dendritic cell lineage markers. The percentages are shown in only five studies. In these studies, there is no mention of how purity is defined. It may be determined by the light scattering characteristics of the flow cytometer, which we can't say for sure. Except for a group of dendritic cell products that only allow the use of less than 15% of mononuclear cells, none of the trials set the required purity level. It is recommended to use at least 80% pure dendritic cells. Generally speaking, this remains to be determined and will largely depend on the overall immune efficacy of the final product. Okay, so the purity of dendritic cells also still needs a clear definition. And what about the viability of dendritic cells before injection? Is there a method to determine this? Generally, Tripan Blue Exclusion Method is used. This method is mainly used for the immunotherapy test of messenger RNA-loaded dendritic cells. If you have a dual-laser extended flow cytometer, propidium iodide, 7-aminoactinomycin or reactive dye staining is a good choice. The first two stains by inserting DNA from dead cells, while the latter reacts with amine groups in the cytoplasm. And if you want to obtain more accurate information, this can be combined with an XNV, an XNV will also show the number of early apoptotic cells that have not lost membrane integrity. The sterility of the final product must be guarded, right? Absolutely. But although many studies cover tripan blue exclusion method, only a few of them mention sterility. Of these studies, only two studies confirmed the absence of bacterial, fungal, mycoplasma or endotoxin contamination. 
In addition to these minimum release criteria, additional, less laborious validation of the vaccine needs to include confirmation of the dendritic cell's antigen loading status and the stability of the dendritic cell's phenotype. And for the messenger RNA loading into dendritic cells, how can its efficiency be reflected? It can be reflected by two strategies. In the case of using defined antigens or known antigens that all contain tumor messenger RNA, they are intracellular staining and flow cytometry analysis or controlled by immunohistochemistry for each individual tumor antigen. Can it be controlled by direct antigen staining? We have not seen this in any studies. In our last episode, we learned that electroporation is an effective technique for messenger RNA transfection. Are there indicators to quantify the transfection efficiency of electroporation? In the case of coelectroporation with a functional protein, one of them can be used to determine the efficiency of electroporation. I know some clinical trials quantify the expression of CD70 as electroporation efficiency control. When can dendritic cells with fully mature phenotypes be examined? Dendritic cells with a fully mature phenotype retain their morphological and phenotypic characteristics after cytokine withdrawal. After that, the flush test can be used to check. To complete this process, dendritic cells are generally cultured in a medium without cytokines for two days. Now we know the importance of quality control for dendritic cells. And moving on to the second component, the messenger RNA, why do we need to carry out quality control for it? Oh, it is also very necessary to quality control for messenger RNA. Dendritic cells can be modified by messenger RNA encoding specific antigens, total tumor antigens, or functional proteins. And the quality of messenger RNA determines the actual existence of the protein, and you know, the actual presence of the protein determines the antigen presentation or function of the dendritic cells loaded with messenger RNA. As far as I know, comparison between studies and within studies is difficult. Is this one of the key reasons for standardization? You are right. The integrity and concentration of the messenger RNA loaded by the dendritic cells are quite important. Nevertheless, some studies did not mention a messenger RNA quality control. What are some of the advantages and disadvantages of the methods used in the other clinical studies with messenger RNA-loaded dendritic cells? A classic method of measuring messenger RNA concentration regardless of its source, is spectrophotometry. It is a method of qualitatively and quantitatively analyzing the substance, under test by measuring the absorbance of light at or within a certain wavelength range. Its advantages include high sensitivity, easy operation, and fast speed. It is the most commonly used experimental method in biochemical experiments. Many substances are determined by spectrophotometry. However, the error of this method can be relatively large. Any contamination by ultraviolet-absorbing components, such as DNA or phenol, will result in an erroneous measurement of RNA concentration. In addition, the presence and amount of DNA contamination and RNA degradation cannot be measured. Are there any alternative methods to solve these problems? Well, we can also use gel electrophoresis, which cannot estimate protein contamination but it can show the presence of contaminated DNA and degraded messenger RNA. It separates and identifies DNA fragments based on the size of DNA molecules. 
The combination of RNA isolation and concentration measurement has an obvious advantage. It can accurately quantify the required messenger RNA without being affected by DNA contamination and messenger RNA degradation. And there is also PCR, you know, the molecular biology technique used to amplify specific DNA fragments. It can be regarded as a special DNA replication in vitro. The biggest feature of PCR is that it can greatly increase trace amounts of DNA. In order to isolate contaminating DNA from degraded messenger RNA, PCR is necessary for adequate purity control. So if we combine spectrophotometry, gel electrophoresis, and PCR, can we then properly quality control the messenger RNA? It's possible, but in studies using total tumor messenger RNA, there is no way to control the integrity of the messenger RNA. Because both agarose gel and capillary electrophoresis can cause messenger RNA smears. Due to time constraints, we have to end our discussion here, but we will continue next week. Thanks David, for sharing your knowledge with us today. And thanks everyone for listening.